We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. It's game day. Lakers versus Warriors. Game five. A chance for the Lakers to send the Warriors on a nice, restful, and most importantly, long summer vacation. The reigning champs on the brink. The Lakers lead 3-1. First opportunity to close it out comes tonight in Golden State. Won't be easy. We'll break it all down here. Plus, I'm going to get into some fan questions and comments. First, quick reminder. If you are new to the LakersNation.com podcast, you're not already a subscriber, please make sure you do subscribe. Whether you're watching over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, you're listening to the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, hit that subscribe button and then turn on notifications as well. Get notified every time we put out a new episode. Also over on the YouTube channel, if you wouldn't mind hitting the like button, if you're just watching there, smash that like button real quick for us and it helps us out. And then on the podcast side, Apple Podcasts, if you can give us that five-star rating and review, another great way to help out the show. All right, so a lot to get into, and I am going to get into some fan questions and comments coming in from uh, some super chats. That's going to pinball me into a lot of different topics. But first and foremost, I need to talk about fouls because this series, there's been a big, big highlight on fouls. Warriors fans lost their minds after game one, lost their minds even further after game three when the Lakers enjoyed a very big foul discrepancy. Now in game four, the Lakers also had a foul discrepancy. They had an advantage in terms of the number of free throws that they shot, which I've talked a lot about should be expected. The Warriors are terrible at defending without fouling, and they tend to not shoot a lot of free throws themselves. They're actually the worst team in the NBA at getting to the free throw line. Why? Well, that's what happens when you shoot a lot of three-point shots. Uh, conversely, the Lakers are the best at both of those things, the best at getting to the free throw line and the best at defending without fouling. So you would expect there to be a big foul discrepancy in this series. But nonetheless, in game four, the Lakers took 20 free throws and they made all 20 of them, 100% from the free throw line. That's impressive stuff. I don't think they can keep that up night in and night out. But for as many times at, at different points in the season where we said, man, it just felt like the Lakers hadn't had a good free throw shooting game in a while. I mean, this was a big moment in a game. You only won by three shooting a hundred, a hundred percent from the free throw line is a really big deal. The Warriors just 12 free throw attempts for them. But again, that's kind of what you expect. Uh, nonetheless, there's been a lot of buzz about Steve Kerr because after the game, he, the Warriors coach sounded off a bit on the Lakers and accused them of flopping. Uh, Kerr said that there were a number of, illegal screens they were called for illegal screens anyway and that he was really disappointed in them 
and that he felt like the Lakers flopped on those calls. And he had this quote, said there are a, they, talking about the Lakers, are a team that plays with a lot of gamesmanship. They understand how to generate some calls. I thought they took some flops and were rewarded. Now, that got a lot of people up in arms. There were a lot of hot takes going on around that. And it makes sense, right? I mean, the Warriors complaining about calls. I thought personally, and again, I, I'm going to, you know, I view everything through purple and gold lenses. There's no question. I am not an unbiased opinion in any particular way. Um, I thought that the Warriors got the exact whistle that they needed in game four. I thought there were a number of times when the Lakers were at the rim, Anthony Davis, LeBron James shooting at the rim, getting fouled, nothing, no calls. I thought the Warriors were allowed to be pretty physical, pretty aggressive. Frankly, when you have a game that is uh, one where the referees don't blow the whistle very often, where they let the, the players really play and get after each other, that's going to benefit the Warriors. Why? Because they commit way more fouls. And so, um, that's more opportunities for them to get away with things. There's more uh, times the whistle doesn't blow against them, whereas the Lakers, who are really good at defending without fouling anyway, it actually penalizes them because they do such a good job defending without fouling that, well, the whistle is not going to blow against them anyway. So in any event, I thought the way that the Game 4 was officiated benefited the Warriors more than anything else. And so it's it's a little bizarre to have Steve Kerr now coming out calling the Lakers floppers, uh, particularly on the subject of illegal screens. The Warriors are, and look, they're a very good team, and they're known for shooting a lot of threes. They take more threes than anybody in the NBA. That's what we saw over the regular season. They hit a lot of them. Clay Thompson's a great shooter. Steph Curry's a gr great shooter. This is what their game is based around. But how do they get so many open threes? I mean, part of it, certainly they have I mean, quick twitch shooters, guys who can get shots off from crazy angles, impossible situations. That's certainly part of it. But also they set lots and lots and lots of screens. And guess what? They're known for setting lots of illegal screens and getting away with lots of illegal screens where they're moving just a bit, just enough to not get it called against them, but enough to move the defender and get the shooter open, and then bottom, right? That's what they do. The Warriors are known for shooting lots of threes and setting lots of moving screens. So for Steve Kerr to come out and say that the Lakers are flopping on the illegal screens, well, I thought Dennis Schroeder addressed it very, very well. He explained that sometimes you do need to exaggerate. When he was uh, presented with Kerr's comments, he said, yes, yeah, sometimes you need to exaggerate the contact so that the referees see it. And he's absolutely right. Look, we, we see examples of this all the time. And I'm not a fan of flopping in general. I'm not. If you've heard me in the in the play-by-play -play over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. It's where you can join us and watch the game directly with us, hang out with us while we're while we're watching the game. We break everything down as it's happening. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of kind of the the foul baiting stuff that we see, the James Harden stuff, the um the Trey Young things, stuff like that, where you've got guys that are just hooking a defender's arm and then throwing their arms up under it and somehow getting calls and things like that. Not a huge fan of that in the game. Um, not, but that said, when you've got a team that's doing these things and not getting it called against them, as the defensive team in that situation, you're left with no recourse but to really show the officials to make it obvious that, hey, they're gaining an advantage with what they're doing. What else are you supposed to do? Just let the Warriors continue to set moving screens and not get it called against them? No, you may have to show the official, hey, look 
at this contact that they're not going to see otherwise. There was a, a play. Uh, by the way, Boston is now on the brink. I'm not sad about that. Uh, falling uh, earlier this evening as I'm recording this to the Philadelphia 76ers. It's now a 3-2 Sixers lead. But uh, in game four of that series, Jason Tatum pushed off Tyrese Maxey. He was in overtime. He was able to drill a three. Maxey fought and stayed on his feet. Didn't get the call. Have to imagine that had Maxey gone flying like a truck hit him, he probably gets that call. Wound up being good. Now, the Sixers wound up winning the game anyway. Uh, this Again, this was game four. But you'd have to imagine that had Maxey embellished a bit, probably gets that call. That's why players are incentivized to flop, to embellish, to dive, whatever it is that you want to call it. And so if you want to call the Lakers a team that uses great gamesmanship, well, they do things to draw attention to contact that's already there. I can say they don't do a lot of the stuff that's creating contact that doesn't just exist on its own. Every once in a while, sure, there'll be a, a moment. I thought Austin Reeves, there was a play where he went up for a jumper. Andrew Wiggins was running by him, and, and Reeves kind of like got a little bit of a bump and, and hit the floor. Um, maybe there was a little bit there, right? But you don't see some of the truly egregious stuff out of the Lakers. You see them trying to do things to draw attention to contact that's already there. Again, I'm biased on this. I'm sure fans of other teams would disagree with me on that. But Dennis Schroeder is absolutely right. You can't just let the Warriors set illegal screens. And I went back and looked at the screens. And, and to Steve Kerr's credit, he did say, I may be wrong. I need to go back and look at the film. And so everybody who's been losing their minds over Steve Kerr's comments, I've been angry at him. I've seen even national media who've been upset with Steve Kerr for suggesting this. He did soften it. He did say, I may be wrong. I need to go back and look at the film in the moment they felt like flops. I could identify with that, right? In the moment when there's a questionable call, I tend to side with the Lakers. I tend to say, oh, that was probably a bad call against the Lakers. Then when I see the replay, I get a better angle of it and I can figure out what's what. Um, he, so he just said, you know, in the moment, though they felt like bad calls, but I'll have to go back and look at the film. Curious to see what he thought after actually looking at the film. But nonetheless, you can't let the Warriors get away with setting illegal screens. You have to, have to make it clear to the officials that that contact is there. And so that's going to be a key thing to watch here for game five. Because I think that part of what Kerr was doing was not just addressing the foul issue, right? Not just complaining about the foul. He was also setting up a narrative for game five because it's critical for the Warriors offense that they're able to get away with setting illegal screens. Again, they set tons of them. And if the Lakers have figured out a way to show the referees where these screens are coming in, and by the way, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who only played 11 minutes, I didn't see him really emphasize any kind of screen. He's great, right? At embellishing contact on screens and just showing officials where it's at. He doesn't fight to stay up. He shows the, I mean, he's, he's going to go flying when there's illegal contact and make sure that the official sees it. Dennis Schroeder uh, did it as well. Lonnie Walker got taken out by a moving screen on J Draymond Green and Draymond was losing his marbles over it, was so upset, yelling at the officials. My God, does Draymond Green get away with getting an official's face faces more than any other player in the NBA? It is absolutely unbelievable. But, Draymond set a very clear moving screen, took out Lonnie Walker, got called for it, and Lonnie hit the ground on it. He got hit. He got contact. Had he fought to stay up or something like that? Maybe he doesn't get that call. And that's why. That's why you see this kind of stuff, which Steve Kerr is calling flopping. So how the, the officials respond in Game 5 is going to be critical. Did Steve Kerr put enough out there 
to potentially get the officials on his side. Let's face it, the Warriors are desperate. They're desperate to extend this series. And so you're going to get a lot, a lot. The Warriors are going to be pulling out all the stops. I expect to see Steph Curry play 45-plus minutes, right? They're going to do everything they can to get this win in Game 5, and that includes trying to manipulate referees through the media. I think that may be part of what Steve Kerr was thinking when he was making these flopping comments that so many people have been responding to. So all of that is something to keep an eye on heading into tonight's Game 5. Can the Lakers find a way to get it done? And I think the officiating is going to be, as it's been in every game this series, a really big deal. For the Lakers, the best-case scenario is a very tightly called game, a game where contact is whistled, right? Because the Lakers do a great job at defending without contact. The Warriors do not. And so there's going to be lots and lots of foul calls against the Warriors if it is a tightly officiated game. It's a home game, though, for the Warriors. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a game officiated more like game two, where the Warriors got away with a ton, particularly Draymond, got away with everything, holding AD, everything he had, he could do. Um, and the Warriors wound up winning that game in a blowout. So we'll see what the officiating looks like in game five. Right now, um, to get away from the foul situation, right now, the Warriors are a very heavy favorite for game five. And I've had some people asking me, why is this, is this disrespectful of the Lakers? What is this? Right now, as I'm recording this, the Warriors are a seven-point favorite. Now, again, the Celtics were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite going into uh, game uh, game five against the 76ers, and they lost. So by no means does this mean that it's, you know, the Warriors are going to win, just that, look, Las Vegas is predicting that the Warriors are going to win this game and win it handily. And I think there's some reasons for that. Number one being desperation, right? They know this is literally win or go home. We saw it in game five against Memphis. The Grizzlies came out and blew out the Lakers in game five. They were the betting favorite in that game because there's just, as much as we say the Lakers need to match the energy of the Golden State Warriors, they need to match that desperation, they need to match the urgency, that it's much easier said than done. It's easier said than done, especially when you know that game six, right around the corner, you get to go back home. So, I don't know what we're going to see tonight in this game. I know, I think we're either going to see a very close, close game that maybe the Lakers have a chance to win at the end, or it'll be a Warriors blowout, which is what the the line here is predicting, that the Warriors are going to blow out the Lakers. And I think part of that too is the Warriors have had two games in a row where they've shot below 30% from three. This is too good of a shooting team to continue shooting that poorly. So there's probably some belief that, hey, look, the last time the Warriors were at home, they shot 50% from three. Now, that's not sustainable either, but there's got to be some belief that being back home is going to matter for the Warriors. They've been a terrible road team on the course of the season. They've been much, much better at home. And so I think all of that kind of wraps up into what this line is. So that being said, what do the Lakers need to do to beat the odds? Again, they're not favored to win this game mentally as easy as it is to say you have to match the warriors desperation that that's very difficult to do in practice so what is it that you have to do if you're the lakers in order to win this game well as i talked about before game five with the memphis grizzlies i think the three-point shooting is a big big thing for the lakers if they can shoot well from three now i'm not saying they're going to shoot uh 48 from deep like they did in game uh three of the series but they can't shoot in the 20s and win this game. I look at what Philly just did against Boston. 
So game five, they're in Boston. I mean, the, the Celtics are the heavy favorite. They've got the home crowd behind them. And what happened? Philly went in and they shot the hell out of the ball. They shot extremely well and not necessarily on easy looks. It's not like the Celtics defense was just incredibly porous, but Tyrese Maxey was making just about everything uh, for, for the 76ers. They shot 40% from three on the night, 51% from the field. That's how you beat a team in a game five where you know they're going to be desperate. You knew the Celtics were going to be coming in um, desperate to win at home. Now, again, that series was 2-2, so very different than a 3-1 series. But still, the Celtics going home, you'd think they were going to be desperate to win. They were the heavy favorite. And Philly went in and just took the crowd out of the game because every time Boston tried to make a run, Philly would instantly respond with a run of their own. And they did it largely on the offensive end. They weren't even getting all that many stops defensively. They, they traded baskets with Boston for much of the fourth quarter, but their shooting was what allowed them to keep the Celtics at bay. I think that's what the Lakers are going to need to do. I don't mean to say that the Lakers can keep up with the Warriors if they're red hot scoring the basketball, but the Lakers need to score enough to keep the Warriors within arm's reach. That's what's going to be critical for this game. And the way you're going to do that is by being very efficient on the offensive end. Again, I think there's going to be an energy edge here for Golden State. And if you're the Lakers, if you can still generate some decent looks and knock them down like D'Angelo Russell, if he doesn't shoot one for 10 like he did last game, if you can get a four for six from three shooting performance out of D'Angelo Russell, if you can get um, a good shooting, I get another good shooting night out of Austin Reeves, if you can get Dennis Schroeder to chip in a few points, if you can get a few guys that can have big performances, which we know this Lakers team can do. It seems like every night somebody else is stepping up. Last game, it was Lonnie Walker. What an incredible performance that was for him. But you need to have at least a couple of guys have above average shooting nights in order to keep pace with the Warriors and the energy that they're going to bring this game. A strong three-point shooting game from the Lakers can help mitigate some of the energy deficit I think we're going to see in this matchup. Now, again, the Warriors, if they shoot 50% from three, that's it. There's really nothing you can do. Like, if they shoot 50% from three, you can say, well, the Lakers aren't defending the three-point line very well. That certainly could be a factor. But if they shoot 50% from deep, th there's not much you can do. So you've got to defend well, too. You've got to force the Warriors into, into some tough shots. And this Warriors team, I'm not expecting them to mentally break. I'm not expecting the pressure to get to them. They've done too many things over too many years to do that. But you do want to make them feel the pressure a bit. You do want to make them feel a little bit sped up, and you can do that by being excellent on the defensive end of the floor and at least making everything contested. And then if you're contesting all over the place and they wind up shooting 50% from three, which is possible, well, you tip your cap and you go try to close out the series in game six. But if you're doing a good job defensively and at least making things difficult on them and you can get a solid shooting performance, you can perform uh, efficiently on the offensive end, you can give yourself an opportunity to win this game down the stretch. Again, I think this is going to go one of two ways where you're going to see a close game and the Lakers are going to have a chance to win it at the end and then we'll see what happens or it'll be a Warriors blowout where that energy will carry them. They'll shoot great from three and the Lakers will look a little bit flat. This series has really played out just like the Memphis series so far, right? It's, it's really mimicked it. The Lakers got a close win in game one. They get blown out in game two when they had an opportunity to get a stranglehold on the series. Game three, the Lakers get the blowout win. Game four is very, very close. 
and the Lakers get the win. Game five against Memphis, they got blown out. We'll see if history repeats itself, and then the Lakers obviously won the Memphis series in game six. Is that the path that we're on for this series as well? I don't feel super comfortable going down that path if I'm the Lakers. The Warriors are too good. Again, you never know when they're just going to have a red-hot game shooting from three, and I don't think you can count on winning game six. Yes, I would favor the Lakers to win game six, but I don't think you can count on that. I think you have to hit them with whatever you can here for game five and see if you can put them away now. You can't just take this opportunity for granted and assume that you're going to beat the Warriors in game six because you never know when they're going to have some crazy outlier three-point shooting night. And then the next thing you know, suddenly it's game seven and you're having to go back up to San Francisco and win a game on the road, which is certainly not an easy task. So I think the Lakers need to try to take advantage of the opportunity that could be here for them tonight and get this win and close it out, especially with the Nuggets. Now one game from closing out the Phoenix Suns. If the Lakers can knock out the Warriors, that gives them a little bit of rest, and then they can wait for the winner of the Suns and the Nuggets. So again, the Lakers did not take care of business in Game 5 against Memphis. would like to see them right that wrong tonight against the Golden State Warriors. Way more to break down in this in this game, by the way. I've got a ton more thoughts, but I have a feeling I'm going to get into a lot of them just kind of naturally as we go through some fan questions and comments. So let's get into that. Let's get into that right now. And uh, we'll start here. Sultry speaking said, we asked for him and he delivered. Lonnie Walker is the next Vinnie Johnson. Oh, the microwave. Instead of the microwave, he's the air fryer. I like that. Quest for number 18. Danny said, guys, oh, okay, we've got a, he's, he's joking here. Guys, this win doesn't count. The refs cheated for the Lakers. They had eight more free throws than the Warriors. He writes in all caps, then puts in the crying emoji. It should have been an even number of free throws to keep it fair. Signed, Warriors fans. I love it. I love it. That's uh, look, I'm not going to go on another foul rant, but for some reason, I don't know why this is a thing. This concept is out there that an evenly officiated game means both teams get the same number of free throws. And that is entirely untrue and completely ridiculous. This is not a elementary school teacher passing out pieces of candy where you have to make sure every kid gets the same amount. That's not what this is. It's professional basketball. Some teams foul more than other teams. A correctly officiated game does not mean an even number of free throw attempts. And that's part of why I think it's so ridiculous that the Warriors were complaining about foul calls. Because again, the Lakers getting eight more free throws than the Warriors, that's pretty much what the Warriors would hope. That's pretty solid for that. I thought that game was officiated. Game four was officiated about the way the Warriors would have wanted it to. Life is full of what ifs. So what if you try something new when it comes to dating? Talkify is a new way to meet other serious singles. What if they help you find what you're looking for? Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve relationship success. Their trusted compatibility specialists hand select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively. Here's how it works. The Talkify matchmakers meet with you to learn about what you're looking for in a partner. Then they'll select and screen potential match candidates for you, doing background checks, video interviews, and asking the tough questions that are too awkward for first dates. From there, your matchmaker plans your date introductions and handles all communications for you, creating a safe and stress 
free dating experience. Talkify is committed to finding your match. 80% of clients met their person within the first 12 matches. And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash Lakers Nation. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y.com slash Lakers Nation for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com slash Lakers Nation. Noel, Lonnie when guarded by Steph, barbecue chicken alert, barbecue chicken alert. So I went back and watched um, just but right before starting the show, I went back and watched uh, the fourth quarter of game four. And wow, I really, I went into it. I was looking to see how often did the Warriors even look like they were going to switch on Anthony Davis, which they spent uh, the first half of the game doing a ton putting Anthony Davis in high pick and roll with Steph Curry. The Lakers had put uh, Anthony Davis on Gary Payton the second, and the Warriors were able to exploit that by hitting Curry in the short roll. The Lakers responded in the second half by putting Davis on Wiggins, gambling that the Warriors wouldn't feel as comfortable putting Wiggins in a decision-making situation, getting the ball back on the short roll. Essentially, what, what you're doing, just to illustrate this a little bit here, what the Warriors are doing when they run that is – they are banking on the fact that Steph Curry is such a threat that both defenders are going to stay with him. Okay. So whether, whether it's AD and Dennis Schroeder or whoever it is, Austin Reeves, the gamble is that both defenders and will be occupied by Steph Curry when they run that screen roll, because they don't want Curry to come off the screen and pull the trigger on a three. And so both defenders get occupied there. And, um, specifically one of them being Anthony Davis is critical because that pulls him out of the rest of the play because what's going to happen is when the screen setter in this case say Gary Payton the second rolls and gets the ball back now he's behind Anthony Davis and let's say Dennis Schroeder and he's attacking now with the man advantage now it's four on three for a few seconds however long it takes the Lakers defense to recover it's four on three and four on three and one of those three defenders is not Anthony Davis. That's a very advantageous situation for the Golden State Warriors. But you have to make the correct decision. And you have to make that decision very, very quickly. Think about a quarterback in football. This is a much higher degree of decision-making here where you have to scan the field instantly and you have to know where you're putting the ball. You have to make that decision in a split second. You have to read the field and go. And obviously, there's a bit more on the line in football because if you make the wrong decision you're going to get crushed by a very large human being most likely but nonetheless it's a similar concept of if you get the ball in that short roll you've got a man advantage and you have to very quickly read what openings are there and attack appropriately make the decision of it's this is my shot to take this player's open that player's open or i can get this player on a cut and you have to know the skill sets of the players that are out there so it is a very high-pressure decision that has to be made very, very quickly. Gary Payton II, I thought, did a very good job making that decision. Andrew Wiggins, perhaps the Warriors don't believe as much in his ability to do that, and that could be why we saw them go away from it so much in the second half. Um, nonetheless, one of the things that stood out in that fourth quarter, beyond just that the Warriors weren't running that high screen and roll nearly as much, was, my goodness, did the Lakers go after Steph Curry? They switch hunted him like crazy, particularly with LeBron. And that's part of why you saw Lonnie so involved 
because the Warriors were hiding Steph on Lonnie Walker. And so Lonnie was coming out to set the screen for LeBron, which was getting Steph switched over onto LeBron James. And then they were attacking from there. I would like to see the Lakers do that more, regardless of whether it's Lonnie or whoever it is that's defend that Steph is defending get Steph matched up with LeBron and let LeBron take advantage of it. And then the responsibility is on LeBron not to settle for a fadeaway or a a three or something like that, but to get into the paint, get to the rim and overpower Curry. It's going to do two things. I think it's going to put LeBron in advantageous scoring situations, but it's also going to make Steph Curry work a lot defensively, which probably by the end of the game will start to wear him down. So something else to keep an eye on because when it was time to win that game, the Lakers said, we're going at Steph every single time. There were even a few plays where the Lakers had stuff going on the other side and Lonnie was being defended by Curry on the weak side. And the Lakers, when things were breaking down, they just devolved into give the ball to Lonnie and he's going to go at Steph. Just if all else fails, just attack Steph Curry, right? I'm curious to see how much of that we get in game five. All right. Surin said, Lonnie Walker. Trev, if you remember, I kept saying all trade deadline he needs to play. This is why. P.S. Hangout was fun. Thanks for the mug. So he went to our watch party for game two, which we're in talks right now about maybe doing another one of those um, in Southern California. So uh, keep your your ears and eyes open for that. We'll have plenty of details on that coming up. Uh, If we do, of course, the Lakers are going to have to advance in order for us to get there. But uh, yeah, look, Lonnie. I was advocating for him playing a bit in the Memphis series. Thought it was time for that. And uh, I think that it obviously paid off in a big, big way. And the the reasons why I was advocating for playing him in that series, part of it is Malik Beasley. I mean, he's obviously way out of the rotation at this point, but he wasn't playing well. Part of it also was the Lakers sometimes could use a little bit of a scoring punch. And Lonnie can give you just that very, very quickly. Uh, Josh said, I stood up in the fourth quarter and I am still standing. Steph is a beast, but we got that dog in us. Instant classic AD narrative broken. Yeah, the whole AD doesn't have two good games in a row thing, which wasn't really correct to begin with. But yeah, AD was was excellent uh, again. And he did get exploited a little bit defensively when he was pulled out on the perimeter and that allowed the Warriors to get some stuff going at the rim. Still had a really strong game, especially offensively in the first half. Ooh, the Lakers aren't in position to win this game if AD didn't keep them close when the Warriors were really rolling in the first half. Jimmy, I told you we're playing chess while they play checkers. Lakers in six. I am curious to see what other buttons do the Warriors have to press. They've had three different starting lineups in four games. What else do the Warriors have to throw at the Lakers? What are the adjustments are they going to make? And I'm not saying there's none. I'm sure there's going to be, but... I'm curious to see what game five looks like. What buttons do they press to try to surprise the Lakers? Um, Obviously, the Warriors were not prepared for Lonnie Walker, which Steve Kerr admitted that after the game, that sometimes playoff series, you have a guy who comes in that you're not prepared for that can have a big game. That's exactly what happened with Lonnie in game four. I almost wonder if the Lakers double down on the Lonnie Walker thing. Like if the Warriors are going to go small and they're going to play Gary Payton, do you just start Lonnie? I don't think the Lakers are going to do that, but I wonder if we see a lot of Lonnie Walker in game five. Wouldn't shock me. Malcolm Jones. Lonnie went to my school with my brothers and has been a hometown hero since he left. City of Reading is so glad to see him shine. One more Lakers nation, LFG. Very, I mean, and such a cool story with Lonnie, if you know the background and everything. 
Um, absolutely amazing stuff and, and so inspirational what he's been able to do and to stay ready the way that he did. By the way, another thing to mention is on the rewatch, I noticed how often offensively Dennis Schroeder was directing Lonnie Walker. There were a few moments where, especially early in the fourth, where Lonnie was a little bit confused on exactly what he was supposed to do, which is to be expected since he hasn't played a lot. Um, and Dennis Schroeder was going out of his way, being very demonstrative, directing him, explaining where to go, that sort of thing. And that was cool to see, that communication from Dennis Schroeder helping out his teammate. And obviously, you know, Lonnie responded in a big, big way. Victoria, Trevor, don't cap your room at 1K for the playoffs. Uh, I couldn't get in. I could get in at the end of the game. So talking about the playback room, uh, I, supposedly there's no cap on it, but I think there is still one. And I want to say it's around like 1100 or 1200 or something like that, because I have heard a few people say they couldn't get in once we got to a certain number from what I've been told next season, there's going to be no cap whatsoever, but nonetheless, that's all the more incentive to get in early though, to the room. I typically open the room about 30 minutes before the actual game starts, get in early and then you don't have to worry about it. So again, playback.tv slash Lakers nation. Come watch the game directly with us. Al, Lonnie Skywalker. Yes, indeed. Ollie, Lakers fan in Memphis. Someone buy Lonnie a drink. Let's wait till after the series. James, Lakers heat rematch is not that far-fetched. No Mickey Mouse ring this time. So the Lakers, as of right now, are the betting favorite to win the championship. Now that the Celtics are on the brink, I, I think Denver is very, very good. And I think the Suns are good too. And I think it's like, if I'm Denver, I'm a little bit insulted by the Lakers being the favorite. Now, maybe that changed after the Denver game. This was during the Denver game that this came out. So maybe that changed after Denver uh, beat the Suns. And now they're one went away from moving on. But um, Denver, I think, is getting slept on a little bit. They're a very, very good team. I wouldn't just assume that the Lakers are going to get past the Nuggets. That would be a That's going to be a very difficult series. Um, But I can't even wrap my mind around it just yet. Because this series isn't over with the Warriors. And this is not a team that you can lose focus on at all because they will light you up if you do. So I'm still very much focused in on, on the Warriors. Hopefully the Lakers finish it in five. Uh, if not, obviously things could get a bit more dicey. But as soon as this series is over, then I'll start looking ahead to whatever's next and think about a Lakers heat matchup or, or whatever in the finals. Uh, Rocky, and now can we get a Chick Hearn Lakers win button? I know Rocky's been asking about that. I got to get something like that set up. Realistically, at this point, it's probably going to happen for, for next season, but I've got a lot planned for next season already, by the way. It's my ideas. I think people are going to like. William, Lonnie Skywalker the fourth. They stay ready MVP. So cool to, to, to see Lonnie staying ready, and I'm expecting big minutes for him in game five, particularly if the Warriors continue. I thought they found something with Gary Payton the second on the floor. I would imagine they're going to try to put some wrinkles in uh, to deal with what do they do if AD is guarding Wiggins and what do you, how do they attack that? But nonetheless, I'm, um, I'm expecting to see a lot of Lonnie Walker in game five. Florin Walker, the fourth quarter. Yep, indeed. <laughs> 15 shots from Lazy Bones, one for every fourth quarter. By number four, Lonnie should have never been benched. 360 said, uh, and again, the Lonnie showed you what he could do. And I actually thought Lonnie did a really nice job defensively as well in game four. We'll see if the Warriors tried to attack him in some different ways 
uh, in in game five, but I, I thought Lonnie did well defensively. Andrew, I may need medical attention after that game. My Lord, Lonnie Walker, God bless him. We need one more LFG. That was a very stressful game. And I think game five will either be a similarly stressful game going all the way down to the wire, or it'll be a Warriors blowout and people will be grumpy and upset, but you won't be stressed in the fourth quarter. Um, I think we're going to see one of those two things. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a Lakers blowout and we get a stress-free fourth quarter because the Lakers just went out and demolished the Warriors. Wouldn't that be great? Look, if the Lakers win in game five, I will be beyond impressed. Beyond impressed if they win in game five. If you beat the defending champs in their home to knock them out in a game that the Warriors are the heavy favorite in, that will be an incredible, incredible achievement. And LeBron has already said game five is going to be the most difficult game of the series. I hope mentally the Lakers are ready to lock in and can perform at a high enough level to just give themselves a chance to win it. If somehow they blow out the Warriors, oh my goodness. Again, that is not what I'm expecting at all, but that would be that would be a true statement if they were able to do that. Mike, Reeves is due some apologies from so-called fans, trashing him left and right, 50% from three, third leading score, and some key playmaking. Yeah, I thought Austin had a nice bounce back game in game four. Now, hopefully he can keep that up. He didn't start well. Started out missing a number of shots, but then really came on in the second half and turned kind of back into the Austin Reeves that we knew. I do think his legs are probably a little bit gassed from having to chase Steph and Clay so much all series long, and that's part of why you have you can't just have a three-guard rotation for the Lakers in this series. You need a four-guard rotation because you have to chase so much, particularly with the Warriors going small. Um, but yeah, Austin, I thought, had a very, very nice game. I think he's getting a lot more praise if Lonnie didn't do what Lonnie did in game four. And hopefully Austin can keep it up. Hopefully he can, can, can continue to get to the free throw line. That's going to be super important for Austin Reeves and the Lakers in general. I hope we see a game that's officiated the way game one and the way game three was officiated. That would go a long way towards helping the Lakers get a win. If you get a game like game two, that could be really, really bad. Even if it's called like game four, where I thought they let a lot go that the Warriors were doing, um, that will make it much more difficult to get the win. I think the, if you can get a game where the officials are calling things a little bit tighter, a guy like Austin's going to thrive. Dennis Schroeder's going to thrive. LeBron, AD, they're going to get called for the stuff more at the rim. They're going to, when they're getting hit, they're going to get to the free throw line more often. Um, and that could be a big, big deal in game five. Goatman, Lonnie, been screaming for Lonnie and no Beasley or Troy and boom, X Factor. I'm not expecting 15 points every night out of Lonnie, but sure was great to see him get it in game four. Arthur, Lonnie Walker, that's all I got. We said Lonnie flipping Walker, that's all I got. Dennis said AD who, LeBron who, it's Lonnie the fourth quarter Walker. Told you, we never lost a game with Stan Van Gundy and TNT. Well, if that's a thing, then Stan Van Gundy should just call every game. But what is the true secret good luck charm for the Lakers. Is that what it is? You need Stan Van Gundy? Is it you need Aaron Donald to be sitting there? Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Jay Jackson. Uh, let Lonnie be a lesson to all young kids. Stay ready. Also, let's get Vando a jugs machine this summer. Yes, Vando does not have the best hands, but he's still an incredible value. Uh, less than $5 million for next year. If he If his hands get a little bit better, and he can just improve his corner three a little bit, that would go a long way. Speaking of which, we're looking at 
the three-point percentage. Game five is the kind of game where if you can get Vando to randomly hit like two of three from the corner three, that could go a long way too to potentially winning a game. Like you just get some random look like Vando goes two for three from deep or something. Um, Rui hits, I don't know, two for four, three for five, you know, like a, a, a burst from a player that you don't normally expect it to come from, from behind the arc could go a long way in game five. Uh, as far as Lonnie being a, le a lesson for young kids. Absolutely. I did a video for the Lakers nation, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers nation, where I got into that how inspirational Lonnie's story really is when you look at him being out of the rotation. He goes from being out of the rotation to having plays called for him in late in the fourth quarter in a close game that's the most important game of the season. That's a lot of faith from the coaching staff and a lot of credit to Lonnie Walker for being ready. I mean, they ran an out-of-bounds play, a baseline out-of-bounds play for him that turned into a Lonnie jumper, which he canned. They ran a Lonnie Walker, LeBron James pick and roll with LeBron as the screener. They were running it with Lonnie as the screener quite a bit in order to get Steph Curry involved in it. And then they switched that up at one point and made Lonnie the ball handler and the Warriors defense stuck with LeBron and Lonnie calmly just hit the little runner in the lane. He did a fantastic, fantastic job in the fourth. Mike, it's worth noting Ham closed the trade with the pre-trade deadline lineup. Yeah, no D'Lo. No Vando, no Rui. It was all the original players that closed the game. It's interesting. Not something that we typically see. Uh, Jay Baddock, Lonnie Skywalker, these dudes, LFG. Um, it's only the start for this dude in the month of May. Yeah, he should. he's well-rested, right? And you need fresh legs in this series. Scotty said, I'm just here to hear Trev and Sean's take on tonight as I catch my breath. Keep up the great work. Stay greedy in San Francisco. Also said Lonnie Walker's him tonight. Yeah, I think I'm kind of over the stay greedy thing. Just, it hasn't, every time that they've been saying we're going to stay greedy, it hasn't worked, right? Like we've heard it before game two against Memphis. Didn't work. Heard it before game five against Memphis. Didn't work. Heard it before game two uh, against the Warriors. Didn't work. Like they've lost games in, in blowouts. And I think part of that is just the rhythm of the series. Like the rhythm of the series would say the Warriors win game five. So I don't really want to hear the stay greedy thing. Just, just do everything you can to win the game. And I think part of that is going to be a healthy respect for the opponent in this game. Um, like the Grizzlies, I felt like the Lakers were clearly the better team than, than Memphis. And I feel like the Lakers have been, despite bizarrely, multiple national media members have said, well, the Warriors are the better team. They're just making mistakes. And, and the Lakers are capitalizing, but the Lakers aren't that good. The Warriors are better. To me, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. That just tells you, well, you picked the Warriors to win at the outset and you just don't want to be wrong. Um, I think the Warriors have been, or the Lakers have been the better team. I thought the Lakers were the better team. Definitely in the fourth quarter, obviously, last game. The first three quarters probably went to the Warriors. But over the course of the series, it's a lot closer, though, than the Memphis series. There have been, and again, I think the Lakers overall have been the better team, but it's been close. So with that being the case, and the Warriors being the reigning champs, and knowing what they can do, I just don't want to see a low-energy game where the Lakers look like they're convinced that they're just going to win in game six. 
I don't think you can take it lightly. As crazy as this is, there were actually national media members that were calling for the Lakers to sit LeBron and sit AD in game five to bench them so that they could be rested to win game six because it's a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are winning game five. I understand the Warriors are the heavy favorite, but how little do you have to think of Golden State to do that? Right? Because you have to assume that if you have three opportunities to win it, that you are so confident that you're winning game six that you're just going to crumple up one of those three opportunities and throw it away. The Warriors are too good to do that. You have to take every chance you can get to finish this series off. You have to. You have to. You just do. You just do. This would be like, let's say you are, well, it would be like this. If you're down, let's say you're down a point. You're down a point and you get fouled shooting a three with no time on the clock. That would be like stepping up to the free throw line and purposefully missing one of your free throws because you're so confident you're going to knock in the other two and win the game. That's what you're doing, right? If you're the Lakers, that's what you're doing. And that's, look, the Lakers can be confident they're going to win game six. There's no reason for them to rest LeBron and rest AD in game five and just concede game five to the Warriors. Now you take every opportunity you can get because who knows what if the Lakers come out in game five and D'Lo is on a heater and goes five for seven from deep six for eight, something like that. And next thing you know, it's the fourth quarter and there's a minute and a half to play and it's a one point game and you've got an opportunity to put this thing away now. It's not a, a given that the Warriors are just going to blow out the Lakers. Is that likely? Yeah, I mean, that's what the Vegas odds say. But there's a reason why you play the games. And again, to just throw away one of the games. It's disrespectful to Golden State. You would have to believe so strongly that the Warriors have no chance against you in game six, that there's no possibility that they can get hot, that you're perfectly okay just throwing away one opportunity crazy though that that's that's part of the discussion going on out there right now crazy bruce this lakers team is deep as long as there's someone that steps up other than lebron and ad each game taking the load off of them we're going all the way i think to go all the way they need multiple players to step up but i do think one of the great things about this lakers team is that they get different guys all the time one game it's delo another game it's austin another game it's Rui. Another game, it's Vando makes big plays. You just you just don't know. It'll be Dennis another game. Um, obviously, Lonnie in game four. Against Memphis, six games, five different leading scorers for the Lakers. You just don't know who it's going to be night in and night out. And there's positives and negatives to that. There's, you run the risk of nobody, it being nobody on any given night. But they also have games where multiple players step up again i thought austin had a really big game four and we'd be talking a lot more about it if lonnie didn't do what lonnie did um you can get multiple players on this lakers team that step up and make a big contribution even if you're not going to count on austin to go for 20 plus points every night you're not going to count on 
on Lonnie to go for 15. You're not going to count on Rui to go for 20. You're not going to count on Dennis to go for 20. You're not going to count on any of these guys individually to have blow-up games. But you can count on them once every five games, once every four games, to have a really, really good game, to have an outlier good game. And when you get multiple of, of those players to have a good game on the same night, man, this Lakers team is tough to beat. They really are. All right, we're going to pause for just one moment. Need to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Shady Rays. I love Shady Rays. This is this is no joke here. This is not for an ad read or anything like that. Shady Rays have been my daily driver sunglasses for years, even before they became a sponsor. I literally have five pairs of Shady Rays because I've bought so many different styles. Um, they're absolutely phenomenal. So. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. They're an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even one on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. I can confirm this. I had my sunglasses sitting on the seat in my car. I sat on them. I broke them. I contacted them, got a replacement pair sent to me. This was a year and a half ago that, that this happened. And, I, and they sent me the replacement sunglasses phenomenal phenomenal stuff from them i don't see that from sunglasses companies uh with shady rays you can look good and feel good to date they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with feeding america if you don't love them exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days no risk when you shop with shady rays they have your back and exclusively for our listeners shady rays is giving you their best deal of the new year go to shadyrays.com and use the code lakers nation for 50 percent off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Daryl, Dennis Schroeder tried to blow it down the stretch. I thought Dennis made some good plays. Got a steal after a layup from LeBron, got a steal, and then uh, and then went and scored off of that. Got a couple of buckets attacking the basket, was doing some good things defensively, um, ran hard through a screen uh, that Clay Thompson set that Steve Kirk said that he flopped. I thought Clay Thompson raised his, raised his elbow up and hit Dennis in the mouth. Um, anyway, it was an, it was a foul. The screen was a foul, and it was called as such. And it was called because Dennis didn't just die on the screen, didn't just say, "Oh well, I'm going to concede." He did everything he could to try to get around the screen and force Clay to commit a foul. And he also made the loudest mistake of the game, right? That play where. He was. He had Anthony Davis posted up against Draymond. All he had to do was hand him the ball. What we forget is that AD actually had the ball posted up against Draymond because he got the offensive rebound off a missed shot, and he kicked it out to Dennis rather than just go into attack mode. And if, so if AD was just aggressive and just went and attacked, that whole play doesn't break down the way it did. But uh, but he kicks it out to Dennis. Dennis needed to just give the ball right back into the post. Instead, he tries to take Curry off the dribble, um, at first AD looked like he was going to set a screen, but then it didn't really work out quite well, but Dennis got past Curry. Draymond came over just a little bit. And I think Dennis was thinking he could get the ball to AD who now was faced up at the basket and can get him with 
a little bit of momentum going to the rim. And Draymond was already sliding back to Anthony Davis to recover. Most likely, it would have just evolved into an Anthony Davis post-up anyway, had the pass found him. But instead, Dennis tries this behind-the-back pass that goes right out of bounds, and it was a big turnover at a bad moment. And so fans were, you know, understandably upset because that was such a loud mistake. I think that kind of erased a lot of the good things that Dennis Schroeder did, which he really did do some good things. He had another turnover where he got into the paint and the ball got deflected, which again, those aren't great, but yes, you'd like to see him play turnover free basketball, but I think he also made some really nice plays and were just so focused on the negatives because those felt like such big moments at the time. He also made some big plays to help get the Lakers there. Brandon, Lonnie MFing Walker. Also, thoughts on the Defensive Player of the Game Award. Love the show, guys. Keep up the great work. That's an interesting idea, Brandon, doing a Defensive Player of the Game. The question is, how often would AD win it? Because he'd probably win it just about every night, right? Like, that's how good he's been defensively. Which, by the way, mind-blowing that Anthony Davis is not on the all-defensive first team or second team. Neither of them. Dylan Brooks made the second team. Not a different position. He made it as a guard, but Dylan Brooks made all defense. Anthony Davis did not. I hope Anthony Davis takes that personally for game five. I hope he does. It's a regular season award, so that's certainly part of it. But it's not a great look when Anthony Davis has been the best defensive player in the playoffs for the last, what we've been in the playoffs for a month now. And Anthony Davis has been the best defensive player in the NBA in a ton of high-profile matchups, right? Uh, game three and game four, I mean, they're setting, this Lakers-Warriors series is setting records in terms of viewership that we haven't seen in, 30 years almost 20 plus years setting crazy records for viewership and Anthony Davis is in the middle of it just being a defensive monster and then the awards come out and he's not on the first or second team it's funny hopefully he uses that as motivation Ryan LeBron at 38 playing at this level isn't real he's been great I, I said it on the post game show I'd like to see him be a little bit more selective with his three point attempts two for nine again from LeBron uh, that's the other thing, right? Game five, what if LeBron has a bounce back game shooting the three? What if LeBron shoots five for nine, six for nine? That could go a real long way towards getting the Lakers a win. Personally, I'd rather see him chop those attempts down to five or six attempts total and look to go two for five, three for six, something like that. That would be pretty nice. Um, and turn those shot attempts that he didn't take into attacks at the basket. That's that's what I would prefer to see from LeBron. Mamba mentality. Lakers better finish it in five. I don't know how much I can scream before my neighbors call the popo. LOL. I also would like the Lakers to throw a curveball in the next game and start Lonnie and bring Troy and Beasley off the bench. Okay, you had me up until bring Troy and Beasley off the bench. Yeah, I don't think the Warriors will be scouting for those guys. But I don't think now is the time to have two guys that, well, I mean, Troy, Beasley is completely out of the rotation. But to put those guys in now, I don't think that makes a lot of sense um, to go with guys that I, did, I don't think they're fits necessarily in this this series. Uh, starting Lonnie, yeah, maybe that is the kind of curveball that you throw at, at the Warriors. I think turning to Troy and Beasley is going a bit too far. That's going a bit too far. But Lakers better finish it in five just for our own stress level and voices. I'm with you on that. 
Bernie, I have to see my cardiologist tomorrow. I need a note from Lakers Nation. That was stressful. Lonnie for star in your role. Love this team. Great message there. Mark, Lonnie Walker, uncharacteristic cleanup in the fourth. I'll buy you a shot of Johnny Walker. If we do, I will take you up on that if uh, we have another um, watch party, which hopefully, fingers crossed, the Lakers get through this series and we get to do that for the Western Conference Finals. Deshaun, so Lonnie had that Mamba mentality tonight, straight killer. I thought there were a couple of the jumpers that he took were Kobe-esque, the way that he shot them. Very, very cool. Very cool to see. And somebody mentioned this on the post-game show. Man, Kobe would have loved that Lonnie game. He would have loved it. Coach, Lakers didn't miss a free throw. That was really, really big. Again, you won the game by three, and you shot 20 for 20 from the free throw line. Like, the, we, we shouldn't understate that. That's such a big deal to shoot 100% from the free throw line in a game that you won by three. Like, if you shoot 80% from the free throw line, you would have lost this game. That's crazy. Again, can't expect to do that every night, but thank goodness the Lakers did it in this game because it wound up winning them the game. Perfect game plan by Kerr. He must be beside himself. Yeah, I mean, I thought Kerr's game plan actually worked out really well, and as much as people rolled their eyes when he put Gary Payton the second in, it really worked. It worked. It got Anthony Davis out of the middle of the paint. That's the big issue that Darvin Ham has to address now for game five. We have to see how the Lakers counter that. Is there something beyond just putting AD on Wiggins that they're going to do? But uh, AD left out of the game plan. Lonnie, three to one. Let's go. Lake show. Yeah. Th now it's weird because the Lakers won the game, but I think it's actually on the Lakers to adjust more than it's on the Warriors because the Warriors found something that worked. The Lakers just shot 100% from the free throw line and made big plays in the fourth that allowed them to win the game. I think they need to be prepared for adjustments beyond just let's put Anthony Davis on Andrew Wiggins. AW, we got the TikTok dog allegations to beat. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen that. The dog that predicts series and he had the Lakers going up 3-1 and then the Warriors winning three in a row to win the series. Uh, hopefully this dog is not Punxsutawney Phil or anything and is not making accurate predictions. We need to close out on their home floor. It's a must. Gosh, that would... Could you imagine, like, with how insane Warriors fans have been in this series, with how up in arms they've been over everything, could you imagine if the Lakers beat the Warriors on their floor, particularly if it's a game where the Lakers get to the free throw line a bunch? Oh, man. Man, they would lose it. They would lose it. Dimitri, Lonnie, I've been saying that Ham should play him over Beasley for months, and he finally realized this. Told you so. All right, take your victory lap, Dimitri. And damn, D'Lo sucked bad. Well, D'Lo is one of those guys where so much of his value is linked to how well he shoots. Um, and not everybody is that way. Like Jared Vanderbilt can shoot one for five and still make an incredible impact in the game. D'Angelo Russell, a lot of what he does is going to be linked to, is he knocking in threes? Is he hitting the jumpers where he gets his defender in jail and then he gets the 15-footer out of it? Is he knocking those down? He shot one for 10 in this game. It's a bad D'Lo game. I, I'm expecting a bounce back in game five because he's better than that. And he's shown that throughout the course of the series. Mama mentality. What's Warriors fans' excuse now? Respect to Curry, though. Now the, the excuse I've seen the most is that Steve Kerr is an, idi an idiot. That's what I'm seeing from Warriors fans. Why did they go away from the high pick and roll with AD uh, when it was working a ton? That was on the Warriors. They imploded. 
they blew it. They lost it for themselves. Of course, giving no credit to the Lakers or their game plan or how well they played or any of that. Um, it's largely just the Warriors lost the game for themselves. That's that's what I've seen mostly. Game three, it was the officials screwed us over. Game four, it was the Warriors lost the game, not the Lakers won the game. Caleb, was Dennis Schroeder watching Magic highlights during halftime because of that behind-the-back pass? I don't know. If that was the, pro the problem, take the tablet away from him and don't let him watch those at halftime then. Uh, Jay, game four. Lonnie Walker, the fourth, goes off in the fourth quarter. Need I say more? No. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Watts, man, when LeBron moved to point guard and Lonnie started shooting, it reminded me of Kobe, I swear, clutch shots. LeBron showed greatness after we got down 10. Well, LeBron moving to point guard was largely about switch hunting Steph Curry. It was about, let's put the ball in LeBron's hands. I know on the broadcast, they were calling him the point guard a lot. He's the initiator. You can argue semantics over what position he's really playing, but he's the initiator of the offense. He's got the ball up top. And the goal was, let's get Steph switched onto LeBron. And so how you do that is you put the ball in LeBron's hands and you have Steph's man go and screen for LeBron. And then you let LeBron just read whatever happens here. If the, do the Warriors blitz it? Uh, and then LeBron's going to make the right pass. Do they do they hedge? Do they drop? What, how do they handle it? Um, or do they switch? And the Warriors were in a switch, so they thought, okay, let's get Steph on LeBron as much as we can. And that's not a bad idea. You know, especially late in the game, Steph's tired. He's been running everywhere all game. And let's put a bigger, stronger LeBron in front of him and make Steph try to defend him. I would like to see more of that. Ben, maybe AD pulls back on intensity when he fe feels injuries flare. 
like a doctor's orders to prevent further injuries because playing, uh, keep playing because he can impact slash gravity. So you're thinking AD took his foot off the gas pedal maybe in the second half because he was feeling fatigue or something? Interesting theory. I haven't heard, seen anything on that. Maybe, but I don't. I, I think he was still pretty active defensively. I think the Warriors did a pretty good job scheming him out offensively and keeping him from getting opportunities on the offensive end. And some of it too was the Lakers. They were focusing on let's let LeBron attack Steph more than let's feed Anthony Davis. M. Dread. Braun needs to be the main ball handler from here. That can be an adjustment the Lakers make, by the way, which is just more of this LeBron going at Steph Curry by switching it. It's also great because you know, even if the Warriors go out of a switch, whatever it is that the Warriors throw at LeBron, he's seen it a billion times at this point. So it doesn't matter what defense the Warriors throw at them. If you get Steph involved in an action off of a screen, LeBron will know what to do to exploit it. He's going to recognize it instantly. I talked about the quarterback before that has to read the field and instantly make that decision. LeBron is maybe the best in the NBA at that. And there is no type of defense that he hasn't seen before. Devon, Lonnie over Troy Brown and Beasley this offseason. Uh, they might make that decision. 3-1, let's go. Banner 18. Would love to see them get Banner 18. Um, as far as the offseason, so Lonnie Walker will be a free agent. And contractually, the way this is going to work is the Lakers can offer Lonnie uh, about $7 million. They can use his non-bird rights. Remember, he got the taxpayer mid-level exception this last season. So the most they can give him is about $7 million. It's the same situation that Malik Monk was in last year. Ultimately, the Kings came along and just offered more money than the Lakers could. They offered $11 million or so off the top of my head, and the Lakers couldn't offer that. And so Malik, despite wanting to stay with the Lakers, he couldn't. I mean, there's like a $4 million gap between what the Lakers could offer and what the Kings could offer. So, uh, so of course, he took the, took the money, and great for him. You know, fantastic. But that's the situation the Lakers will be in with Lonnie Walker. It'll be, you can offer him up to about $7 million. Now, uh, Troy Brown will also be in a situation where he'll be a free agent. So that'll be another discussion to have. Beasley has a player, or I'm sorry, a team option for $16.5 million. Prior to the new CBA, I would just say, yeah, keep Beasley. Maybe you give Lonnie that $7 million. You could still, you could give Troy your taxpayer mid-level, or maybe you save that for Dennis Schroeder or whatever you're going to do, but you can do these things. No problem. But with the new collective bargaining agreement coming in and the super tax potentially taking away your um, taxpayer mid-level, which is something I'll break down much more in depth during the offseason, but that could become a factor here for the Lakers. There's a lot of teams that are going to be looking at that and may have to make some very difficult decisions. So, it may not be as simple as it used to be of just pay everybody and if you have to pay the tax, pay the tax because you could lose the ability to use your taxpayer mid-level and keeping some players may inherently mean losing other ones now. So again, I will break that down much more in depth um, during the offseason. We'll have plenty of time for that, but just something to keep in mind. The Lakers may not be able to just keep everybody even though they can keep most of them um, the new CBA has made it to where it's not quite the foregone conclusion or it's not as easy to say, oh yeah, pick up Beasley's option, pick up Bamba's option. And worst case, you have 
$16 million in expiring contract with Beasley and $10 million in expiring contract with Bamba to trade. There may be some uh, losses if you do that because of that super tax thing coming in, which may, again, take away your taxpayer mid-level. All right, Mamba mentality. What do you mean I'd give Lonnie superstar of the night? I almost gave him that. I'll even podcast. Kerr showed his hand early in the series. There's no other adjustments for him to make other than hoping his team hits shots. Lakers are better. I sure hope you're right, but I do think we're still going to see some adjustments from Golden State. And if Golden State shoots, again, if they shoot well from three, they're tough to beat. So can the Lakers get a third game in a row out of them of a poor shooting performance from Golden State, particularly at home? Can you get less than 30% from three out of Golden State? If you can, that will go a long way towards getting a win. Even if you can get 35% from three out of them, that at least I think puts you in striking distance if you can get some other things on the stat sheet to go your way if you're the Lakers. If the Warriors shoot 40%, 45%, it, it's going to be really tough to beat them. So we're going to keep an eye on the stats all throughout the night. Come join us over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Game five tonight. Can the Lakers get the job done and send the Golden State Warriors home? I want to thank everybody for joining me on the show today. Thank you guys for, for listening. Of course, those of you over on the YouTube channel. Thank you for watching. Make sure you you subscribe on whatever platform you're on currently. Thank you again, everybody. Let's go Lakers. Let's get this win. Close this thing out. Till next time. See ya and stay safe.